Lecture topic: The Great Slander. Alhamdulillah, wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-ladin al-fafa. Amma baadu fa'udu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. إن الذين جاءوا بالإفك عصبة منكم لا تحسبوه شرا لكم بل هو خير لكم لكل امرئ منهم ما اكتسب من الإفك والذي تولى كبره منهم له عذاب عظيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الذين جاءوا بالإفك عصبة منكم لا تحسبوه شرا لكم بل هو خير لكم لكل امرئ منهم ما اكتسب من الإثم والذي تولى كبره منهم له عذاب اليم صدق الله العظيم most respected mothers and sisters allah tbarak wa taala has afforded us an opportunity to discuss some aspect of deen this time that allah taala has blessed us with this very great bounty this is indeed a very great gift of allah taala 
which the appreciation of this is that firstly our niyat must be refreshed our intention for gathering should be refreshed that we have gathered to learn something about deen so that we could become closer to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala by bringing the teachings of deen into our lives by passing it on to others as well so primarily this is our purpose that we gather for the place of pleasure of Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased that we learn something about deen and with the niyat that inshallah we will try to bring these lessons into our lives the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam there are numerous incidents mentioned that had occurred in his Mubarak life and every one of these incidents are filled with numerous lessons for the Ummah till Qiyamah many aspects that are learned from these incidents they are principles in life which we have to adopt as principles and apply it in our life we will find that this will save us from so many situations sometimes it's something that has happened as a very what we might take it as a very ordinary thing but it's not ordinary nothing about Nabi Karim is ordinary everything about him is special every word of his is special every action and deed is very special everything about him was super special Allah Ta'ala sent him as the best example that mankind could ever need لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا so everything that he said everything he did nothing was ordinary so likewise in this incident that we will briefly discuss there's numerous details in this incident that happened in the time of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his Mubarak lifetime which was a very very difficult and very challenging time challenges of all types there are challenges that come which sometimes challenge a person physically <coughs> sometimes there are challenges which happen <coughs> in the form of illness in the form of some loss of life loss of wealth various other things that happen in day to day life <coughs> so these are also challenges but more difficult than the physical challenges are the emotional challenges sometimes if somebody was hurt physically that pain may not be as bad as somebody being hurt emotionally one incident took place which was a very very painful incident the munafiqeen and the hypocrites were always looking for some way or the other to cause pain and difficulty and hardship to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam the smallest opportunity that they find they would latch onto it and they would try to do something or the other that will become a problem some difficulty in the path of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam many many things they did but one of the most severe situations that they caused was on one occasion they slandered Sayyida Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha now can we imagine the situation she is the most beloved wife of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
in the time when she was part of his household and till the end of his Mubarak life this remained the situation to the point that eventually he passed away in her house and Nabi Kareem Wasallam, this was the daughter and she was the daughter of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala now she slandered that Na'uzubillah there was some thing that happened and she Na'uzubillah committed some wrong deed now this was something beyond all the other incidents that happened in terms of the various ways in which the munafiqeen hurt and troubled Nabi Kareem now we will just discuss this incident briefly and try to learn some lessons from it and that is the purpose of discussing these lessons the incidents the entire seerah of Nabi Kareem this is to be studied very carefully very well but not like just some other biographies read just out of interest or some history studied, studied just out of interest the seerah of Nabi Kareem this is a guide to life because after all he was the best guide Allah Ta'ala sent for us so his entire life is our guide so to read the seerat is not just for facts and figures it's not just out of curiosity or interest not just as some history book is read no this is for life this is to learn how to live life so this incident that happened Nabi Kareem Wasallam had been on one journey on that journey he took Sayyidah Aisha along regarding this particular aspect that how she ended up going along so she mentions one point there is a very lengthy hadith in Bukhari Sharif that goes into many many details we will not be able to cover those details now but just we are going to be touching on some points here and there so right at the beginning as mentioned that the purpose is to learn these lessons and to apply them in our day to day life so Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha she says that whenever Nabi Kareem sallallahu was on some journey and he wanted to take one of the azwaj mutahharat one of the azwaj ummahatul mu'mineen along now the law of sharia is that if a person has more than one wife whoever he wishes to take along that's his prerogative Nabi Kareem sallallahu would nevertheless draw lots and whoever's name came out in that she would be then taken along whereas this was not compulsory for him but what was the reason for undertaking this after all he is the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. if somebody harbors some ill thought that na'udhu billah, summa na'udhu billah he was biased in something the iman will be on the line and where can this ever be imagined from the sahaba ikram that they will harbor even one minute thought of this nature but despite that Nabi Kareem used to do this as a lesson to the ummah that he would draw lots and draw lots and whoever's name came out so then she will accompany him so nobody will have any other issue or feel anything that I was not taken again last time also my turn didn't come now what was the lesson in this it's not a lesson confined to anybody who has more than one wife that's another topic on, on itself but I will just digress very briefly on this many find it a very very sensitive and very 
difficult topic also, but one point only which I think is very important that we should just touch on it as we go along. There are two separate issues here. Many of our Akabir, they used to very clearly discourage people from taking the step of a second nikah. Simply because, they say, the manner in which the justice has to be upheld and the various responsibilities that come with it, by and large, the experience has shown that people don't manage to keep it up. So that's the clear advice that they would give many. But that's one point. As far as the laws of Allah Ta'ala are concerned, as far as the laws of deen are concerned, whatever Allah Ta'ala has made halal, for somebody to feel that no, this should not be the case, this is an objection against Allah Ta'ala. If somebody has reservations of this nature, that if somebody is undertaking a second nikah as if he is doing something haram, that is a very dangerous thing. On the one side is the advice, advice has been mentioned very clearly. The other side is that our, our aqidah must be very clear and our manner in which we deal with aspects of sharia must be very clear. That we don't cross the line to start dealing with something that Allah Ta'ala has made haram as if it is halal or something Allah has made halal to deal with it as if it is haram. So that's just a point on the side to always bear in mind because this is a matter of then aqidah. It's a matter that goes down to the core of iman. Because something Allah has done, we accept it wholeheartedly. This is Allah Ta'ala's law. Then that's a separate matter of what should be done and not done in terms of what somebody can do and can't do in, in, in practical, practical life. That's a separate advice. So any case, coming to this point now, so say the Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that Nabi Kareem used to always do this. Now what we learn from this, this was not compulsory upon him, but despite the fact it was not compulsory upon him, he went out of his way to do something, though not compulsory, but which will keep the hearts united. Now there are co-wives involved here, and there's a natural rivalry between co-wives. It's not something that uh, requires any rocket science to understand. There's a natural rivalry in that. And in this regard, Nabi Karim took some additional steps, something that was not necessary upon him, simply to keep the hearts united. Now, this is a lesson. This is a lesson for us in day-to-day life. How many times there are situations, either we can make some sacrifice, we can perhaps just keep quiet about something, we can perhaps maybe just overlook something, obviously not in the matters of shariat and deen, where the law of Allah Ta'ala is being trampled, but in day-to-day simple issues. Now sometimes it's a matter of people within a household, in an extended family, neighbors, between friends, there are some small, small things, but now somebody latches on that small little issue. You know what so-and-so said, you know what so-and-so did, and now what becomes the outcome? That something which was, because somebody didn't know about it, it didn't matter to them, what somebody else said behind their back, what somebody else did, but now where that finished off, this is actually haram to now go and carry tales, but sometimes in simple things which relate to ourselves, now somebody said something, did something, and we just overlooked it. We didn't mention it to anybody else. This person dealt with me in this manner. This person gave me this kind of cold reception. Why we didn't do it? Because it's going to create bad blood. 
So we kept quiet about it. We made the sabr and we just digested it. Allah loves this. When somebody undertakes that which Allah Ta'ala loves, inshallah they'll become beloved to Allah Ta'ala. Now these appear to be small things, but they go very deep. Now sometimes that little bubble that got created by just mishandling one issue, that bubble becomes a tsunami sometime. Gradually that starts building momentum and as things go along, it becomes a tsunami somewhere and it breaks what not. Families get broken, marriages get broken, what not happens. So in any case, this is one lesson. Allah Ta'ala loves those who unite. Allah Ta'ala loves those who create happiness and peace between people. In one hadith sharif, Nabi Kareem Wasallam asked the sahaba that should I tell you something that is greater, that is more rewarding, more virtuous than salah, sadaqah and fasting. Meaning nafil obviously, all the nafil salah, sadaqah, fasting, how much can a person do? So much mashallah, some fast a lot, some give a lot of charity, some perform a lot of nafil salah, but after all that too, it's still at a point, person now cannot do more than that. Some people a little bit more, they have a limit as well. Nabi Islam is saying beyond all this, the Sahaba who were so eager for every Amal, they were obviously all ears, please do tell us. Nabi Kareem said, Islahu Zatil Bain, making peace between two people, this is greater than all these Nawafil put together. Somebody's billions in charity, mashallah, is very great, this is greater. Islahu Zatil Bain, bringing out peace between people. Any case, to continue with the incident, Nabi Kareem had gone on this journey, and he was returning on the way back they stopped camped at one place now for us to understand some of these things might be a bit complicated and difficult because we don't understand the context and what life was all about in that time for example nowadays life regarding water is you turn a tap but in that time you have to go to a well now if a person never experienced that he cannot appreciate what it means to go and fetch water from a well so likewise many other things in life. So now this was also something that we don't have time to get into the finer details of it. But in any case they camped overnight there. And then suddenly Nabi Kareem Wasallam had given the, made the announcement via somebody that very shortly we will be now moving on. So what it means is that everybody should now get ready, whatever needs they have, so get sorted out and be ready now. Shortly then the announcement will be made that we are now actually moving. So when this announcement was made, Sayyidina Aisha she went out a little distance to go and uh, relieve herself and when she went, she, as she was returning, she realized she lost a necklace that she was wearing and this was belonging to her sister, Aswa which she had borrowed from her. So now when she realized this necklace is missing, she felt it was perhaps where she had gone out of sight, so maybe that's where it might have been, she went to look for it there. Now in the meantime, she used to travel in what was known as a hodaj, a little carriage which was curtained from all sides. And when the time would come to travel, that hodaj would be picked up by four people and mounted on her camel and tied and that was it. And when the time came to dismount, the four people who were appointed, they would carry it off that 
camel, put it down on the ground and they would go away. They would move, move off. When she needed to come out, she would come out. Many of the others, women would also travel in a similar manner. Now that would be completely curtained off. And she was very young. She also describes her own situation very light in weight. Now she was not inside and the curtains were obviously drawn. She got delayed in looking for this necklace. And because it was something valuable, so she was looking for it. And in that time, now the announcement was made, we're moving on now. Now we're really taking off, so to say. So the people who were appointed to mount the hodaj on the camel, they came, they picked it up and they put it on. But four people carrying a hodaj with somebody very lightweight inside, they didn't notice the difference. It didn't occur to them that there's some, maybe she's not even inside. And they mounted it on the camel and the caravan set off. And sometime after, when she finally found the necklace, when she found the necklace, she made her way back. And when she comes back, there's nobody there. She herself describes it in the word, Laysa biha da'in wala mujib. Nobody to call and nobody to answer. Meaning that completely deserted. Now a young person and in a desert, not a single person around, what does a person do in such a situation? Now let alone somebody of such young age, even an adult, experienced adult sometimes, becomes overwhelmed in such a situation and they will start running to and fro, what to do now? But this was her intelligence and her presence of mind that in such a <clears throat> challenging situation now <clears throat> she decided the spot where my camel was and where my hodaj used to be I will just go and remain seated in that spot because sooner or later they will discover my absence Nabi Karim will sooner or later realize that I am not in the hodaj so he will give the instruction and he will come along and they will come back to look for me where the caravan had camped so now this was such an intelligent decision. Number one, she didn't get overwhelmed because to become overwhelmed is going to help in no way. It's just going to make a person start perhaps doing something irrational because now you're not thinking clearly. So she remained calm. So she wasn't irrational about anything. And since she remained calm, she could think what was the best thing to do. And she just calmly went and sat down in that spot. Now what lesson we learn from this is challenges do come. But we take a few moments to assess the situation calmly. Don't act on impulse. Don't act in just on the spur of the moment, let alone in major things. Sometimes in simple things also because of that just reaction on the moment. We cause a problem out of nothing. Whereas it was a small thing, there was nothing really. But because we don't learn how to first just be calm, assess the situation, think about it. And one very important thing in this is, in that moment, it might be just, we only have five seconds to make a decision now, what to do. But in that five seconds, it can, we can spend three seconds making dua. Asking Allah's help. Ya Allah, you guide me to do the right thing here. Now, if we just build this habit to turn to Allah Ta'ala for the three seconds, and we have time to do it for 5 seconds or 10 seconds, all the better. But now we take an extreme case, 
that we have five seconds to make the call, make the decision. But in that five seconds also, we can spend three seconds to ask Allah Ta'ala first. And if we make that as a habit, we'll get saved from many big issues. Or sometimes you want to say something, and if a person builds this habit, Ya Allah, enable me to say what is right. Now somebody said something, and now you want to respond. Now often those off-the-cuff responses, sometimes it's such responses, that that off-the-cuff response can result in a handcuff sometimes. So what the person said, and what it led to, and how it finished off, people end up in prison. But now if the person develops this habit, they turn to Allah Ta'ala, immediately the consciousness will come that what I'm going to say, is it the right thing to say? No, this can't be the right thing to say. I want to say something which is very hurtful, it's humiliating to somebody. How can I say this? How can I say something that's going to be now just unnecessarily causing trouble between people? So many things. So in any case, to move on, she came and she sat down. But after a while, sleep overcame her. So she probably lay down and sleep overcame her. Now in the meantime, there was a sahabi of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bin Mu'attal radiallahu ta'ala He was appointed by Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa like used to be the case in any journey, that one person would be appointed to stay way behind the caravan. And after everybody has gone, he'll come along later. And the reason for this would be that he will always be way behind. So if somebody has dropped something and they didn't realize it, where they camped overnight or whatever period of time, they forgot something, he will be the one that will come along the same route. He will find all these things, pick it up and bring it along. So in any case, as he came along, now he was way behind and this was his job, this was his task. So as he came along on the same route, suddenly in the distance, say the Aisha Radhimana says that he saw somebody lying there. So now this became a concern now that somebody is here. So he came closer and when he came closer, she says that he recognized me. Now he recognized Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now she is reporting this incident. She is reporting it to her students long after Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She is reporting this. So now there can be immediately questions in the mind. But she is not waiting for somebody to ask the question. She is giving the answers before the question comes. The question could be how he recognized her. So she explains this that she says, فَاسْتَرْجَعَ He immediately recited, إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ حِينَ عَرَفَنِي When he recognized me, وَكَانَ قَدْ يَرَانِي قَبْلَ الْحِجَابِ How he recognized me? That he had seen me before the laws of hijab had come. So before the laws of hijab, that was the, ch- the chance of this happening, that he had seen her, after the laws of hijab, this was not possible. It never happened. But because he had seen her prior, so he recognized her. Now when he recognized her, he got a shock. Now she already cleared a very big question. That well, he recognized her. How come? So she answered it already without the question. That because he had seen. So in other words, the lesson is being given. That look, this is what the laws of hijab mean. The laws of hijab are not just some garment only, it's a set of rules. 
And the set of rules applies to females and males. Obviously, the certain rules of the laws of hijab apply to males of how they interact and conduct themselves. And certain laws of hijab apply to females of how they conduct themselves and how they attire is, whatever else. So she says that he now got a shock and he recited, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. So when he recited this aloud out of shock, so she says, Pastaykastu in the istirja'ihi. When he recited, Inna lillahi aloud, suddenly out of shock, says, I awoke with the sound of his recitation. I awoke. Now when she woke up, she realized now that there is somebody else here now. Immediately she heard the voice. She perhaps saw him already. So now what does she do? So she says, Babi." The very first thing that she did, she says, I covered my face with my jilbab. Now again, she is practically explaining what does the laws of hijab entail. That this was not just something that was an optional thing, was something that was a by the way thing. This was a requirement of deen. And who can know better what the laws of hijab meant than the azwaj mutahharat, than the daughters of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, than the sahabiyat. And of all of them, Sayyidah Aisha is the most knowledgeable and she would know it best. So now she immediately, practically did what was required in the presence of a stranger, non-mahram, that she immediately concealed herself and covered her face. Because now she was lying down, maybe in the wind or whatever, the jilbab would have moved off. So now she covered her face. After having done this, he realized now what happened. He worked it out. So when he worked it out, now what's to be done? So he immediately dismounted from his camel. And then he brought the camel closer, made the camel sit, and then he put his foot onto the leg of the camel now. When the camel sits, it folds its leg under. So he, from the front, put his foot onto the leg of the camel because that will keep it seated. Sometimes while the person is mounting, the camel can suddenly start waking up in that moment. It can cause a person to fall. So now as a precaution, he did this. And he faced in the opposite direction. Now when he did this, she realized what he is doing. So then she woke up from her place and quietly came and mounted the camel. He was faced the other way. Once she mounted the camel, he then walked in front. Now this was a very, very, a kind of desperate situation. He could he had to do what was necessary. He could not leave her in the wilderness. And there was no way that he can say, okay, wait, I'm going to get another few people and come back. This is in the middle of nowhere and the dangers that lie there, whatever else. So this was something that had to be done out of pure necessity. But now, there's so many things that have happened in all this. Just to mention one, two points. She says, فَوَاللَّهِ مَا تَكَلَّمْنَا بِكَلِمَةٍ That there was a period of time now that it took them to get to the caravan. It was now perhaps the better part of a day. And in that period of time now, sometimes something comes up, whatever else, she says in that entire duration of time, we didn't speak one word. And further to emphasize it, she says, 
the aspects that human nature is all about and allah taala is our creator allah taala knows us better than we know ourselves and allah taala has ordained certain laws for the protection of this insan among the laws that have been ordained for the protection of insan now we'll say protection what the only thing that sometimes comes to our mind of protection protection of life yes indeed we have been taught how to protect our lives as well one day everybody's life is going to go but what is within our capacity to protect ourselves we have been taught to do that as well protection protection of wealth yes we've been taught to do that as well we trust in allah taala alone but nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam said aqil wa tawakkal tie your camel don't leave it loose but trust in allah taala alone so don't cause something to be just be prone to loss and damage you do what's in your capacity within reasonable limits but then trust in allah taala alone don't trust in your arrangements in your uh, effort in whatever things facilities you have put in place trust in allah alone but sometimes that is where generally we think about around those things protection of life protection of wealth yes in between that protection of honor in protection of honor in a certain context deen wants the purity of every person to be maintained at all times the protection of the purity of every person the purity at every level the purity of their hearts and minds as well and in order to maintain this purity of the hearts and minds as well these are the laws of hijab that deen have given and this is the practical demonstration of how these laws are enacted and how they are carried out how they are lived now out of sheer necessity something had to be done so it was done but how it was done now likewise in day to day life there are things that out of necessity has to happen person has to go to a doctor for example somebody has to now out of necessity communicate something to someone but what is the manner of communication what are the limits what are the words that are used in such a situation and now this is in the times that we live the social media communication and whatever other communication now even where one is where there is no need for it then that is completely out there is no such thing as casual friendly communication with somebody who is not a mahram there is no such thing that is impermissible completely but out of sheer necessity where something has to be communicated what is the limit of that and how is that to be done now this is something that needs to be understood in the light of sharia in the light of the teachings of the quran and sunna so it's not something that can be done in just any way any casual manner uh, some just idle chit chat carrying on with somebody and trying to be sweet with someone because we don't want to be rude no nobody has to be rude 
but it's not correct to be sweet about it either. Now these are all things that are learned clearly from so many ahadith and from this incident as well. And what the crux of all this comes down to, it comes down to one very fundamental lesson of deen and a very very integral part of iman which is termed as haya. And this when haya has been preserved and all these laws are to preserve the haya, when haya is preserved, then this is the automatic reaction of haya. This is natural then. Haya is natural actually. But yes, the natural haya can be lost if it is exposed to environments, exposed to things that erode the haya. Get a person who is very shy, person who is very very timid, very shy, very bashful. Many a person says this, that I was like this, this is how I was, and then I got suddenly into some company, and they were talking some kind of obscenities that became the general conversation, and I used to feel very embarrassed about it, and I used to feel very, very difficult to be there, but then I didn't do the right thing, I was supposed to have now avoided being there, to wake up and go away and not come back in future also, but now out of whatever I just remained, and then I came again, and gradually I found myself, let alone being part of that discussion and listening to others, I was talking as well in the same way. And then one thing led, led to another, and now I find myself in the serious mess that I've got myself into, so much of immorality and vice, but once upon a time this was my position, and this is how I was, this was how difficult it was for me to merely just hear something that was not in keeping with modesty and shame. But now getting exposed to an environment, getting exposed to things, and all the things that are around, every person is now sitting with so many things in their hands, at the press of a button, what not they are watching, what not they are getting exposed to, all the things that are being watched, the serials, Allah forbid, sometimes so many complaints come from either spouse, sometimes the husband, sometimes the wife, that the spouse is now stuck onto serials. So the first time I heard about it, that they are hooked onto serials. So I didn't know which breakfast cereal they're talking about, whether it was some postosties or some cornflakes or what it was. She says, no, that's not the cereal we're talking about. This is the, uh, this different cereal they caught on watching cereals. So now this is the serial killer of the time. The serial killer of the time, when there's a serial killer around, Allah forbid, Allah save us, then the whole community goes in panic mode. That this is a, there's a serial killer around, so now this is a very dangerous situation. And all the forces and all the resources are mobilized from the authorities to try and catch the serial killer because this person is now holding the whole community to ransom. These serials are becoming serial killers. They're killing marriages, they're killing homes, they're killing relationships between parents and children, they're killing the iman of people, killing the akhlaq and the haya of people, this is the serial killer of the time. And nobody is, no panic mode. For that serial killer, and rightly so, everybody will panic, panic mode. Here there is no panic mode. Here there is a casual discussion about which serial killer I am hooked on, and which serial killer somebody else is hooked on. There is no panic mode. It's all so casual about it. But this is the outcome, that then the haya is lost, and when the haya is lost, then everything is in danger. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Karim says, that إِذَا فَاتَكَ الْحَيَا فَفْعَلْ مَا شِئْتَ If haya is lost, person will do anything. 
there is no limits and the extreme kinds of immorality and vice that are creeping into Muslim communities it would have never ever had the chance to even rear its head if Haya was at its peak or Haya had been maintained to a point merely just hearing something about this completely disgusting immorality of all the LGB whatever issues are this would never have managed to even raise a just even glance in the direction of a Muslim community or at any Muslim if Haya was in place but because the standard of Haya has dropped so much let alone just raise its head it's walking in now this could never have happened had Haya been maintained as it ought to be maintained and nevertheless the issue is that we have to make a very concerted effort to raise the level of Haya in our environments in our homes, in whatever communities, etc. Otherwise, the next generation, because when things are on a slide, and if it is not a major effort made to turn the tide and change the direction, then it keeps sliding and it continues to slide more. Allah forbid, ways will finish off. So, in any case, say the Aisha radiallahu she says that now we entered in this manner, we finally caught up with the caravan, they were now in another place, it was the mid, middle of the day, it was extremely hot and at that time, midday, Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi always uh, give the Sahaba the instruction to now stop so that they can rest for a while and traveling in the severe heat, they will be safe from that. So at that time they came and they reached. As they reached the caravan, now some Munafiqeen used to join as well for their own agenda. One or two people happened to see this. And when they saw this, they realized what happened to They knew full well that she got left behind. Uh, Safwan who is the person who is appointed for this task. So he would have now found her, somehow got left behind and he brought her and came. But now they found this as an opportunity for their mischief. Allah Ta'ala save us. In one hadith sharif, Nabi Kareem Salaam says, Tuba, liman ja'alahu Allahu, liman ja'alallahu ala miftah al-khayri ala yadayi. That glad tidings to the one who Allah Ta'ala has made the key to goodness, the key to good things. They're always looking of how to do something that will bring about goodness around, that will bring about good feelings around, that will unite, that will join, that will try to remove barriers between people, do things that will bring some betterment for people and wailun liman ja'alallahu ja'alahu allahu miftahan lishar destruction to such a person who becomes the key to evil now they hear something here they'll pass it on there they heard something somewhere they must go and pass it on somewhere else and then in whatever they heard they will add some other things they will say it in a way that will dramatize something that is really nothing or oh, whatever else, something or the other that causes some issue between people. Allah Ta'ala doesn't like this at all. Allah Ta'ala, this is now Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi saying this is destruction. This is the prescription for destruction. So in any case, these munafiqeen were miftahan lishar. They were keys to every shar and evil. That was their whole day and night job. When they saw this, unfortunately what happens nowadays, that sometimes not people deliberately fabricate something but in their own way they add two and two and they get seven 
So there is something two and two, but somehow they make it add up to seven. Now whereas that two and two is four, how they get the seven, they only know. But that seven becomes a big problem now. And some is completely fabricated. Now these munafiqeen, they, they realize what's going on here, that there's nothing untoward. They unfortunately saw this, and they latched onto this, and they started circulating a rumor. They started circulating a rumor that Nauzubillah, Summa Nauzubillah, there was something untoward between these two people. Now, this was the mischief of the munafiqeen. But now when the munafiqeen started spreading this false rumor, this slander, now this started passing on from one to another. And even in that era, when there was no social media, but something of this nature starts moving around, some sincere sahaba, some sincere sahaba, in that moment, they slipped. And yes, there were some slips that happened in the lives of some sahaba ikram. But we need to learn from that slip that happened, what happened after that. One sahabiya came to Nabi Karim sallallahu and she herself came and confessed that I made this mistake. Nabi Karim sallallahu said, no, you are probably don't know what you're saying. She said, no, I'm expecting a child out of this mistake. She said, well, in that case we can do nothing now. When the child is born, we'll see. She comes after some time. She says, the child is born. The child is innocent. When the child is able to eat, we'll decide. She comes again after some time with a piece of bread or some food in the hand of the child to say this child is able to eat himself now. Then the, the instruction was given that the law of Allah Ta'ala must be upheld. Now nobody went to look for her. Nobody went to start off with. Nobody knew what happened. Nobody went to look for her. Nobody asked her to come. Nobody had summoned her. But once, twice, thrice she came on her own. What was driving her? The toba that she made. And she wants to meet Allah Ta'ala in a way that she's clean. A mistake happened, but she wants to be clean. Some of these incidents, rare incidents, happened in this manner because the law of Sharia had to be taught. It was as if the Sahaba presented themselves that whatever we need to be used for to teach the Ummah, we're ready for it. So in any case, then the law of Sharia was meted out that she had to be stoned to death. When some blood spurted out, somebody made a comment, a negative comment, Nabi Karim stopped him and said, don't make such a comment. If you knew the toba she made, that if that toba had to be distributed among all the people of Madinah Munawwara, it would have sufficed for them. Now the mistake happened, but that is not the thing to now focus on what happened thereafter. And we go upon one thing after the other and no thought of making any amends as well. Oh, some very, very superficial, some words of toba, and then we back in the same place. They did something by mistake once, and these were rare incidents, few rare incidents. But then lifelong they learned a lesson, never did something like that again. In any case, the point here is that Nabi now this, this, in this matter, some sincere sahaba got caught up, and they started circulating this rumor as well. Which was a mistake, which was wrong. 
And because this was wrong, it was a serious matter. Later on, when the ayat of the Quran Sharif were revealed and the matter was cleared, these people also were punished. They were lashed 80 lashes for having been guilty of slander. But now one very big lesson in this. One of the people who slipped up, it was a mistake, he shouldn't have done it, but this was a mistake. They were all in a learning process. These things were being learned as time was going along. And they learned it once, it was learned for life. One of the people was said, Hazrat Hassan bin Sabit radiallahu ta'ala. He was the well-known poet of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And somehow he also got caught up in saying this to some people. So now after this happened, he too got punished. And that was done. Much later, many Sahaba would come to the home of Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala and they would be seated behind the parda on the outside and they would ask questions that pertain to deen because she was very knowledgeable and she would give them answers. Once somebody came and they see Hassan bin Sabit also present, so they asked her Aisha, it was Urwa bin Zubair, he asked them, why are you allowing this person to come? He is the same person who did what he did. Meaning he was involved in the slander against you. Now who was slandered Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala And we don't have any time to go into any of the details. We are already out of time. <coughs> but when she got to know that this is what is being spoken about her. She got so sick. That she almost. She it, this entire incident continued for about a month. No wahi had come. But she somehow was unaware of it. And she got to know by chance by, from somebody, when she got to know for 24 hours non-stop from the time she confirmed that this is the kind of rumor going around, she says, I couldn't sleep one wink and neither did I stop crying for one moment. 24 hours non-stop. And she said, I felt like my heart is going to burst now. Until Nabiya Kareem Flausen came the next day again, and that was a time when the wahi then came on him and so many ayat of the Quran Sharif and whole ruku came down and exonerated her. Allah Ta'ala explained her chastity in the ayat of the Quran Sharif preserved till Qiyamah. That what a chaste person she is and what a wonderful character she has. So in any case now all this was cleared. Two very major lessons to learn from this now. One is Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala and he too was now somehow caught up in this. Now if we get to know somebody said something about us, something negative, we get to know this person was responsible or somebody did something which we were hurt about. We are human. If somebody said something, somebody did something, we are human, we get hurt. We are not made of brick and stone. We, have, we are insan, we have feelings. So we get affected. And that is why our deen is such a natural deen. Deen has given even three days. Somebody really got hurt over something. So now they don't want to talk to somebody. Okay, you have up to three days to sort it out. Three days to get over your emotions. But then to break ties beyond that, that is not allowed. For personal reasons, one is a deeny matter. But for personal things and so on, it's not permissible. It deprives a person of the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. The ibadat of a person doesn't get accepted on such great occasions like Laylatul Qadr, Laylatul Bara, 15th night of Shaban, etc. On the night of Jumu'ah, etc. So in any case, we react in such a negative way to somebody who we know may have said something about us negatively, did something negatively. Can we imagine 
somebody getting involved in a slander of this nature. What a pain was caused. In any case, this incident had passed. This was now after the time of Nabi Kareem Wasallam. Somebody now asked Aisha, but why you allowed him to come here? This was her nephew now. And he was irritated about this. Seeing this person here. And knowing what he was responsible for once upon a time. Against his own aunt. So now he's asking, says Aisha. So she replied and said, after all, he is the person who used to be defending Nabi Kareem with his poetry. When the Mushrikeen used to say very derogatory poetry against Nabi Kareem, he used to respond in poetic form. And he used to give them answers for all their things. And he used to silence them. Now, what is, what is the lesson here? What is she saying? She's saying, look, what happened, bygones, let it be bygones. Don't look at the negatives. Close that chapter. Keep the positives in front. This is the person who used to say all the beautiful poetry in the defense of Nabi Kareem Wasallam. Focus on that. Don't worry about other things. And she was the person who was the target of all the problem and who, was, who suffered the most in all of that until Allah Ta'ala revealed the ayat of the Quran Sharif. But this is her reaction to the situation. Don't worry about that. That's something aside now. Chapter closed. Now we move forward now. And move forward, we focus on the positives. Another lesson that happened on this regarding the same issue, when the ayat of the Quran Sharif were revealed, which now highlighted that Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha is completely free of any blame, completely chaste and pure. Now one other person who got caught up in the circulating of the rumors was a person by the name of Mistah radiallahu ta'ala he was a very close relative of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala but he was a very poor person now, he was a relative and very poor Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala used to financially assist him he used to assist him regularly all the time he somehow slipped up he also became one of those who circulated the rumor. Apart from the munafiqeen, he was a sincere sahabi. When the matter got cleared, Abu Bakr was overcome with that moment. And Mista, after all, was his relative. And he got caught up in this. And Aisha ta'ala is his daughter. So what pain do the parents go in such a situation? Sometimes the pain of the parents is even more. He immediately said, I will never help Mista in future. He's caused so much of pain to us. And this is what he did to my daughter. I will never help Mista in future. Now he was Siddiq Akbar. He was Abu Bakr Siddiq. When, this, when he said this, the ayat of the Quran Sharif were revealed upon Nabi Kareem wasallam. This was the tarbiyat of the Sahaba Kiram. The Quran made their tarbiyat. Allah Ta'ala revealed the ayat. Wala ya'tali ulul fadli minkum wasa'a. Those who Allah Ta'ala has given virtue. Meaning Abu Bakr being a person of virtue is testified in the Quran Sharif. Wasa'a and they've been given abundance. They should never ever take such an oath. Ayyutu ulil qurba wal masakeen wal muhajirina fi sabirillah. That they will never give the relatives and the poor and those who have made hijrat in the path of Allah Ta'ala Mista had all these three qualities in him he was a relative 
was very poor and he was a muhajir as well. Rather, what should they do? They should forgive and overlook. And Allah Ta'ala then asks, أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ Do you not love that Allah should forgive you? So somebody rushed to Mista and gave him the message that do you know what ayat was revealed? And they read this ayat to him. Now what he went, Abu Bakr came to Abu Bakr and told him what ayat has been revealed. What pain he went through and what a challenge. Spontaneous response. He says, I love that Allah should forgive me. I forgive Mista. And in future I will continue helping him. I will never stop helping him. Instant response. So this was the way that they responded in the situation. Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala had revealed these ayat. And among the things that Allah Ta'ala had highlighted in this, that when some rumor comes, don't fall into it. This is a very dangerous time that we are in, everything at the press of the button. We should be very conscious about this. Many other points, we don't have time, we've run out of time. Whatever we have discussed, Allah Ta'ala, give us a tawfiq, that we bring this, the lessons into our lives. And this should become a means of us learning more about deen, inshallah. Whenever the opportunities are there, we should learn about the life of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu the Sahaba Kiram. Inshallah, this will become the means of us passing this life in a correct manner and becoming successful in dunya and akhirat. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayhi. ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله